Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. What exactly is an unanswered prayer? And, and we grew up hearing these things that God, God said, God, the answer to God's prayers is, is yes, no, or wait, or, or we never know what God's going to do. God's a mystery. And, and so today I want to talk about that. I want, I want to talk about that in the context of what we've been talking about, about seeing God as a father. And are there really unanswered prayers? And does he really not answer prayers? But my goal today, and it's going to be a little bit different than, than normal, is my goal today isn't to try to convince you of anything. My goal today isn't to try to change your mind. My goal is that as you walk out here today, that you say to yourself, hmm, I never thought about it that way. I never thought that that might be what's going on. So my goal is that, is that you would just walk out of here thinking about God and if there really is an unanswered prayer. Now, if you are here today with us and maybe you're watching us online or listening to us online and, and you're not a Christian, then you're probably thinking to yourself, well, what does any of this have to do with me? And I want to tell you that if you aren't a Christian and you're listening to us, I want you to hang on today because the reality is, is that throughout Scripture and even today I have seen many times, you don't have to be a Christian for God to hear your prayers. God has answered the prayers of non-Christians time and time again. So if you're not a Christian, I want you to hang in there because this is something that might be of interest to you. So one of the things we talked about in the first week and the thing that I want to really stress today is that one of the biggest problems that we have when it comes to prayer is that we don't see God as our Father. In fact, a lot of times we use the term when we pray, but we don't really think about what it means. And so we see God as our creator, so we know that God has the ability to make a difference in the world. He has the power to change things. He can do anything, and we see God as a king. But sometimes I think that we see God as this sometimes benevolent, sometimes moody, you know, king who rules the world, but you can never really tell what he's going to do. We can never really tell how he's going to respond. And so even though those of us who have grown up in the church, or maybe you have just started a return back to church and you've been thinking to yourself, okay, I'm going to give this prayer thing a try, in the back of our minds, many of us have this question that comes up. It's this thing that drives our fear, and that question is this, what if he doesn't answer? What if I pray and he doesn't answer, and I don't hear from him. And because we have that fear, you know what happens? We don't rely on him. And we try to solve the problem on our own. And for many of us, if we do ask God for help, we only do it as a last resort, right? We try to fix everything that we can on our own. We try to do everything that we can to fix it, and when we finally run out of options, when we finally run out of things that we can do, we stop and we go, okay, I'll give it a try. And so we pray. 
In the uh, late 90s, uh, my company had, was doing a construction project in central Florida, and in the middle of the project during construction, we hit a major snag. I mean, it was huge, and it was a nightmare. And we tried everything, and nothing seemed to work. And so, you know, my mother was living me with, at, at, with, with us nearby at the time, and she said, well, it's time for us to pray, right? Because it's the last resort. We've done everything else. Let's give God a shot at it. So we prayed. We prayed, and, 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 and man, I was so excited after that. We prayed. We gave it to God. God is going to come through, but nothing changed. The day before we prayed and the day after we prayed looked exactly the same. A week passed. It looked exactly the same. And nothing had changed. It was like that prayer did absolutely nothing. And so what I started to do, and it's, what it te- it's the tendency that we all have, is that what I started to do when I saw that God wasn't coming through for me, you know what I started to do? I started to work more. I started to try to do more. I spent more, t- more time on my business and less time with my family. I took my family time and I said, well... And I justified it by saying, we are in a tough time, we are in a tough season, and so I've got to spend more time doing this work. So I spent more time on my business and less time with my family. And I spent more time on my business and I spent less time with God. And I started to drift away from God. I cut down on my prayer time because... I needed to spend more time working. I, I cut down on, on my study time because I needed to spend more time working. I cut down on my volunteering at church because I needed to spend more time working because God wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. So now it was up to me to make it happen. And so instead of looking at God as a father who when you need something, a good father, you run to him, I looked at God as a landlord. That if I wanted him to to, uh, put new carpet into the apartment or if I wanted him to upgrade the kitchen cabinets, I had to pay more rent. I had to do more. And so because I didn't trust God and because I didn't understand what was going on and what he was doing, I allowed myself to slowly push him out of my life. And see, I had read the stories of God answering prayers. Scripture is full of them, stories of God answering prayers. I'd heard people talk about how God answered their prayers miraculously. But what I discovered and what I saw in me at the time was that I would pray a prayer and it would bring me no peace. I would pray a prayer and at the end of it, I would go, whew, I hope that works. I would pray a prayer and sometimes I never really believed that anything was going to happen. Because I always worried to myself and asked myself the question, what if he doesn't answer? So throughout this series, we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer, and, and it's found in the book of Matthew, and it's in chapter 6, and it's, it's kind of like the section of Scripture that we have been really digging into over the last couple of weeks. And if you remember... We were here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, where Jesus is, is talking to his disciples. He's talking to his friends. And they, his friends, they see him pray. 
They see him going away to pray to God. They, they hear him. They overhear him praying. And they want to know, hey, I think, you know, maybe I'm doing this wrong. And so they ask him. They say, how do we pray? How, how does this thing work? And so Jesus is talking to them, and, and, and we looked at this in week one, and, and Jesus said this, when you pray, don't babble, and, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. And we talked about how that word babble means useless words, words that don't mean anything. So don't do that. Don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Merely by repeating their words again and again. And then he says this. He says, don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Now, I have read this many, many times. And I think the problem that I've always had growing up is when I've been reading this verse is, is when I read it, it says, the Father knows what you need. And I think our first reading of this, we can look at it and we can say that, don't worry, God will give you the bare necessities. You don't need to worry about that. He's going to give you what you absolutely need to live, which means... You don't really have to have a fancy meal. You can have beans and rice, right? You don't really have to have a fancy car. You don't really have to have a fancy place to live. And so we start thinking to myself, okay, he's going to give us what we need. Well, you know, he can give us food by taking us, making us go down to the local shelter and, and, and get a meal, right? So he'll give us food, sure, but not the food we want. He'll give us the food we need. And we think, yeah, he'll give us the housing we need, but not the housing we want. In other words, when we look at this and we read this and we say, it says, for your father knows exactly what you need, I think our tendency is, is to think of this as God is saying, I'm going to give you the bare necessities of what you need to live. You're not going to die, but I'm not going to give you what you need to have the life you want. And so when he says he knows exactly what you need, it's kind of like a, an empty thing, right? Because I don't want just the bare necessities. But you see, the same guy who recorded this, the same guy, Matthew, who, who recorded what Jesus said, who told us about Jesus' life, this guy, he knew the scriptures. And what he knew was in the scriptures, there was a promise from God from a long, long time ago that said that God was going to give us the desires of our hearts. Not just the things that we need, but the desires of our hearts. Well, that's completely different, right? Because I may need to have beans and rice, but the desires of my heart is a steak and a baked potato, some cream spinach. So how does God do this? Because he's saying he's going to give us what we need. How do we reconcile that with he's going to give us the desire of our hearts? So I don't know what the Apostle Paul was thinking about, but the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the, church, to the house churches in Rome. And in the eighth chapter of that letter, Paul, who, who, who had heard and had followed all of Jesus' teachings... Paul, who had written most of the New Testament, Paul, who was one of the people who started the early church, 
Paul, looking back on this, and maybe he's trying to figure this prayer thing out because he's trying to balance this idea that the Father knows what we need, but he's going to give us the desires of our heart. And how do we make that thing compatible? How does it make sense together? So Paul says this. He says, likewise, because he was talking before about how the Spirit gives us strength to be able to wait until Jesus comes again. He says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. So what is he talking about? Well, let's read on and let's see. He says, in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. We do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Most of the time, You and I, we don't know how to pray for what we want. We don't know how to pray for what we need because for most of us, we don't know what we need. We think we do, but we don't. See, Paul is telling us that when we pray, we may not be able to say the words of what it is that we're praying for, but God's Spirit knows what's inside us. And he is the one who in groanings tells God what it is that we really are praying for. God's spirit sees the desire in our hearts. I'll give you an example. There may have been a time in your life where you prayed for a brand new car. You said, Lord, I need to have a brand new car. But is that what really you needed? Not needed as in the bare minimum, but... Is that what really the desire of your heart was? Because sometimes we pray for a brand new car because we think that's going to solve our problems. But what is it that we're really praying for? Maybe we're praying for reliable transportation. Maybe we're tired of our hair getting messed up on the freeway with the windows open, and so we want air conditioning, right? Maybe what we're praying for is we're praying for some type of transportation that we won't be embarrassed around our friends when we drive up and it backfires. And, 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 and you know, we've all had that car, right? You see, we might only be able to say, okay, these are the things I need, and it comes out as I want a brand new car. But really what our heart wants is something else that would be solved by a brand new car, But God can solve those problems in different ways. And sometimes he will solve those problems by giving you reliable transportation, by by giving you air conditioning, by giving you a, a, a mode of transportation that's not embarrassing to your friends. And you're still looking for the new car. And so you're thinking to yourself, God hasn't answered my prayer. But what he's done is he's answered not the words that you've said, but the things in your heart that are really what you want. We just don't know how to put them out there. So what is it that you've been praying for? Some of you have been praying for a new job. Some of you have been praying for for a a specific person to fall in love with you, so that they would ask you to marry them, or that they would say yes, when you think, when you ask, right? So think for a moment, if those are your prayers, what is it that you're really praying for? What is it that your heart is praying for? 
is it really a new job or is it just that the people that you work with would be nicer? Right? Is it really that you want to marry that specific person or that you want to marry the right person? See, sometimes we, we try to figure out how we want God to solve our problems instead of leaving God the option and giving Him the opportunity to fix, solve, give, whatever it is that really solves the problem that's in our hearts. Because sometimes we don't know what it is that we should pray for. And a lot of times, we have a tendency to pray for things that will get us to a place where we don't need God anymore. Right? We want to have enough money so that I don't have to rely on God. We want to have a, a, a career that's so successful that we no longer have to trust God. See, the worst thing for us that could happen is for us to be in a place where we don't have to trust God anymore, and God knows that. Because when we start to trust ourselves, we start to trust our, our, our job, our business, our bank account, our dashing good looks. Right? When we put our faith in that, all of those things can disappear. But God can't. Which is why Jesus, uh, which is why Jesus said, and he reminds us, and, and at the very beginning of this prayer, this model prayer that he gives to us, the first thing that he says is that we should start with our Father. That's how we should start. We should make sure that we talk our Father. Because when we pray to God, if we see God as a slot machine where we just do things, do things, do things, pull the arm, pull the arm, and eventually we're going to get a payoff, we're going to have a wrong impression of who God is. See, God is not a slot machine and God is not a landlord. God is our Father. That's the best example that He could use. A Father. And not just any Father. And for many of us, hopefully not like our Father but a perfect and good father. Because a good father doesn't give his children what he knows will hurt them. See, there, there's some of you here today or some of you who are listening to us, and if God gave you what you asked for, you'd be married to the wrong person today. There's some of you here that if God gave you what you asked for, you'd be in the wrong career right now. There's some of you who, if God gave you what you asked for, you'd be living in the wrong city right now. If God gave us everything that we asked for, our lives would be a total disaster. Can you imagine what would happen if next week God gave everybody everything that they asked for? There would be 10 billion people who would win the lottery. But they'd have to share $250 million, so everybody would only get a quarter. Right? In, 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 in December, or I guess it would be in February, there would be a 32-team tie for winner of the Super Bowl. If God gave us everything that we wanted, food consumption around the world would double because now we could eat anything we wanted and we'd never get fat. See, we tend to ask for things without thinking about them. In fact, Tim Keller, he wrote about this when he wrote his book about prayer. And this is what he said. He said, in other words, God will either give us what we ask or will give us what we would have asked for if we knew everything he does. 
Because sometimes we want what's right in front of us, but we can't see where God sees and how wide and how deep God sees around us. And so we ask for something and, and God won't give it to us because he knows that's not what we would have asked for, that specific thing, if we knew everything that God knew. But he goes on and he says this, this means there is a safety catch on prayer. God won't give us things we may ask for in our limited knowledge that wouldn't be the best. Without this safety catch, and this thing caught me, without this safety catch, thoughtful people would never pray again. See, if you were really a thoughtful person and you knew that every single prayer that you prayed, God would answer exactly as you prayed it, you would stop praying. Because what you would realize is, is that there is no way for you to gauge the repercussions of everything that you pray for. He closes out like this. We need to know that God will answer the basic desire but find a form and mode that isn't harmful. See, when God answers your prayer, He doesn't just hear the words that you're saying. He hears what your heart is saying. He doesn't just see what it is specifically that you are asking for. But He knows you. And he knows me. And so he knows that desire that is in us that we're trying to solve with a new car, that we're trying to solve with a new job, that we're trying to solve if that guy would just marry me. We're trying to solve it that way. But God, in his infinite wisdom, and oftentimes in his mercy, looks past the words that we use to look at what is in our hearts. See, we speak prayers from our minds, but God hears the prayer of our hearts. He knows what's inside us. He knows what it is that we really need. And many, many times, we'll look out and we'll pray for something and not realize that God has already provided everything that we've asked for because we're still looking at him to answer it the way we want it answered instead of giving him the freedom to answer it in the way that is best for us. Paul would talk about this in that same chapter. He goes on and he says this. He says, and... In addition to all of that, because we, ha we, we have a weakness and because the Spirit of God can see what is it that's in our hearts and he can, he can relay that to God. Paul continues on and he writes this and he says, we know that all things work together for good. Not just the good things, not just the, the, the unusually large tax refund, not just not just the big sale that, that we happened to run across, not just the house that, that, that they accepted the offer that was way lower than it should be, not just the good stuff that happens to us, but he says, we know that all things work together for good. 
that sometimes our prayers are answered in the midst of pain. That sometimes our prayers are answered in the midst of trouble. That sometimes when we are feeling at our worst, that we don't recognize that that is when God is answering our prayers. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those that are called according to his purpose. It's easy for us to look around at our lives, and especially when there are challenges, to think that everything is falling apart and that God isn't in it. I, I heard this really great example, and, and um, I hope I get it right, but the guy was talking about a baby. And can you imagine for a moment what it was like for us when we were born? Just shortly before you're born, you are in a nice, squishy, comfortable place, right? The temperature is perfect. The, the place that you're in perfectly fits the size of your body. You never have to eat. You never have to go to the bathroom. You never have to worry about clothes. Everything is perfect for you. And when, when you think that everything is fine in your life, all of a sudden... Something happens and you start getting pushed out this, this little opening. And all of a sudden you feel hands grab you and pull you through. And before you know it, the next thing you know is you're, you're dangling upside down. You're cold. Someone slaps you. You feel these big, huge fingers in your mouth. And the only thing that you can think of doing is crying. Because just a minute ago, life was perfect. And now you are going through all of this crap. And you just don't understand what's happening to you. And see, a lot of times that's how it works with prayer. See, we go through the troubles and we don't realize that we have to go through all of that in order to get to the place where God wants you. Even in our prayers to get to the place that God wants us. Sometimes there's trouble. And sometimes it doesn't look like God answers our prayers. But we, what we know and what we have to remember is that when we pray, we speak the prayers from our mind, but God always hears the prayer that's in our hearts. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.